Mitrikal, Jambo, and Hello. I'm Cyber, and this is Podcards from the Colonies, a collection of true stories about how the British Empire shaped the lives of normal people like you and me. If I ever wonder about the ongoing relevance in discussing the British Empire, I look no further than our daily headlines. This episode, we turn to Hong Kong. In 2020, the current events in this region have demonstrated how over a century of political negotiation between Britain and China have resulted in a hugely complex and nuanced situation. This episode, native Hong Konger Michelle Wang gives us her perspective on her post-colonial home. Michelle currently lives in the UK, having moved here in 2013 to study. She describes her sense of nationality and belonging as a tricky thing to wrap her head around. Her father is Taiwanese and both Hong Kong and Taiwan are territories with a complicated relationship with China, yet have their own passport and judiciary systems. Essentially, she identifies with being from Hong Kong and doesn't feel British in any way. And while she has assimilated into the culture in the UK, she doesn't feel like she truly belongs here. Michelle's podcast shines a light on how the raw issues of changing national politics and the shadow of colonialism are being unravelled and interpreted by the youth of Hong Kong. A podcast from 1990s Hong Kong. Hong Kong exists on borrowed time in a borrowed place, wrote Han Suyin. This predicament sets it apart from other ex-colonies. It didn't emerge from colonialism into an age of self-discovery and self-rule. There was no time or space to answer the difficult questions on identity, culture, and build a collective understanding of what was and what will be. When the clock struck 12, hands were shook and flags were raised. Hong Kong's precarious existence now rests in the hands of the next global superpower. I was born in 1995, two years prior to the fateful 1997 handover. I have seen footage of the ceremony and learned about the Sino-British Joint Declaration. The declaration not only coined and defined the one country, two systems model, but also stipulated that Hong Kong's way of life will remain unchanged for 50 years till 2047. How have we changed our understanding of this clause? Is it a condition to be upheld or a fallacy that manipulated entire generations of Hong Kong people? My formative years were the golden years directly after the handover. Growing up, I was not taught to question what it means to be from Hong Kong. In particular, I was not taught to question whether I'm Chinese or whether I'm a Hong Konger and the differences between the two. My national identity was not any different from my cultural identity. But history was not simply a subject taught at school. I have lived alongside relics from the empire throughout my childhood years. I've lived across a park called Victoria Park, next to Victoria Harbour, on a street called Kingston Street. The school I went to prided itself in its British legacy. It was founded in the 1860s by missionaries from the empire, originally set up as an orphanage for homeless girls. It also bore witness to the Second World War, when Japanese forces used its premise as their military headquarters. 
Despite the richness and complexities of our history and culture, I grew up in an atmosphere where people relished in our return to the motherland. There was a sense of gratefulness that we were taken back, and a sense of relief that we could once again be proud of being Chinese. Our colonial legacy was simply something in the past, something that gave us an extra edge, and the true impact of colonialism was never widely discussed. In the early years after the handover, China's economy and global influence grew exponentially, and Hong Kong was seen as China's portal to the West and was held in high regard. The one country, two systems model was respected, and many people took pride in our relatively democratic way of life, to the point where people truly believed that this model would give way to true democracy in the form of universal suffrage. Fast forward to 2014. I've been living in London for a year when the Umbrella Movement broke out in the familiar streets of my hometown. It was an unprecedented political movement that took many by surprise. However, it doesn't take much scrutiny to find fissures and conflicts in society that have long been ignored and suppressed. Discontent evolved into anger, frustration, an explosive call for change. The promise of democracy has not been fulfilled, and the chances of it happening before 2047 look slimmer by the day. Immigration measures increasingly encourage mainland citizens to settle in Hong Kong, despite chronic housing shortage and sky-high property prices. Meanwhile, incidents of suspicious disappearances, censorship, and political intimidation have led many to believe China is dialing the clock forward. Increased tensions between locals and mainlanders have prompted many to look further back and reevaluate the last few years of British Hong Kong. The youth, especially those born after the handover, are finally seeking answers to those difficult questions that our parents avoided. What led us here? What does it mean to be from Hong Kong? And who is responsible for all of this? The clashes we see between the UK and China today are just a delayed reaction to what empire did to the Qing Dynasty in the 19th century, and what empire did to Hong Kong in 1985. As the clock ticks by, the future of Hong Kong lies not only in the hands of our youth, but in how the global community chooses to react. Podcasts from the Colonies is researched and produced by me, Sai Pachada. The theme music is by John Paul and Blitchfeld. A special thank you to this episode's storyteller, Michelle Wang. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and join us next time.